we must get to the point where the Nigerian people on their own identify their own interests and stop allowing people who do not have our interest at heart in any way, shape, or form from being the ones who are telling us who our friends are, who our enemies are. That is how they will tell some people, the Igbo are your problems. And they will believe it. A man whose wife might be Igbo is the one telling his fellow tribesmen that the Igbo are their problems, and they will buy it. They will carry it on their head and be selling it like Ikwekere in traffic. Hmm. A man, Shimado's daughter, wasn't it? Married, married a Muslim. Beautiful. Why aren't we like that? Why aren't they all printing that? Yanku, the, the banker one, and the consular authority. Babariga banker. See, we need these divisions and recommendations by fraudulent human beings must stop. We should tell ourselves, we should be able to identify what is in our own best interest. We need to get to the point where we are not the ones being told. Okay, now, in Edo State, Oshie Omole suddenly acquired the right to tell people who to vote for. In Lagos State now, somebody will tell the Yoruba tomorrow that, oh, it is the Igbo. That is why another Yoruba man in another party should not be voted. You see, these constant divisions of the Nigerian people for convenience of the rulers, I don't blame them. It's in their own interest to divide us. But we must learn to identify our own interests and stop allowing ourselves to be divided like this. Our society has distorted who we are. From slavery to the reconstruction, to the precipice at which we now stand. We have seen powerful white men rule the world while offering poor white men a vicious lie as placation. And when the poor white man's children wail with a hunger that cannot be satisfied, he feeds them that same vicious lie. A lie whispering to them that regardless of their lot in life, they can at least be triumphant in the knowledge that their whiteness makes them superior to blackness. But we know the truth. We know the truth and we will go forward to that truth to freedom. We will not be stopped. We will march for our rights. We will march to demand treatment as full citizens. We will march until the viciousness and the darkness gives way to the light of righteousness. No man, no myth, no malaise will stop this movement. We forbid it, for we know that it is this darkness that murders the best in us and the best of us. You may ask, when will we be free of this darkness? I say to you today, my brothers and sisters, despite the pain, despite the tears, our freedom will soon be upon us. For truth, rush to earth will rise again. When will we be free? Soon and very soon. Because you shall reap what you sow. When will we be free? Soon and very soon. Because no lie can live forever. When will we be free? Soon and very soon. Because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He has loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on.
One day when the glory comes, it will be ours. It will be ours. Oh, one day when the war is won, we will be sure. We will be sure. To the heavens, no man, no weapon formed against. Yes, glory is destined. Everyday women and men become legends. Sins that go against our skin. You know, listening there to Billy Farrow to me, and then the the phenomenal speech that ended the movie Selma. It, it, it occurs to me that, and I'm sure it would occur to anybody right now who is observing what is going on that. The trick of trying to divide the masses against one another is not a new trick. It's, it's not a new political trick. It was played by the segregationists, um, as you heard, to make the poor white man rest in the fact that he's superior to the black man. Uh, and I think what we're seeing in Nigeria today resonates the same, the same old trick of trying to divide. The masses against one another so that we wouldn't unite against against the minority elite i just thought we should kick off on that note and so you're welcome on to bottle of thoughts my name is ayobami let's step into the bottle of thoughts Okay, so the first issue I'm going to um, I'm going to get into in this episode is my reservations about the Lagos State Panel of Inquiry. Uh, I don't know if you guys have been following it. If you haven't, I'll suggest that you should. You should. Anyway, if you do not have any plan of escaping, I think that's the new expression of traveling out of Nigeria. If you have no intention of ex- escaping out of this country then I think you need to take interest in what is going on right now in Lagos. The Lagos state government has been the most uh, prominent when it comes to the justice drama. What I, what I consider to be the justice drama that uh, the Lagos state government is playing right now with this panel of inquiry. Um, and so I think we need to take interest in it to, to be able to know where we're going next. When this drama fails, when this trick that the Lagos state government is playing hard or is trying to use against the people of Nigeria because everybody in Nigeria I think is interested in what happened on the 20th of October 2020 every Nigerian is interested even foreigners are interested but uh, I want to focus on Nigerians for the particularly interesting uh, reason behind the, the show that the Lagos state government is putting on amongst every other state government in Nigeria who, according to them, have been asked by the president to set up panel of inquiry. The Lagos State, gov- the Lagos state government is particularly leading, <laughs> leading in this, in this uh, show of shame. This, um, what I consider to be a magical performance, to be a performance, a show. They are, they are leading in putting on this show. And so I think we need to look on to lagos to be able to know exactly what to expect of the united elites and every government officials in this country i'm talking about this at the state level and at the federal level every one of them the failure that comes out of that show is going to tell us exactly though a lot of us many of us already know what is going to come out of this show but for people who are giving the government and the united elite the benefit of the doubt I think they need to listen to the first issue I have in this episode. If they're interested in getting the backstory or follow the story about the Lagos State Panel of Inquiry, I'm going to leave a link to uh, Sandra Ezekwesili's podcast on Nigeria Info. 
if you follow our podcast, you're going to get um, you're going to get a pretty good picture of what is going on with the panel and what is what is going on with the, with the panel in Lagos. And so, I'm going to share excerpts from a particular from two podcasts from two of our programs where she interviewed two people who have taken interest in the Lagos State Panel of Inquiry, a lawyer and a filmmaker. But I'm going to leave you to go check out what the filmmaker who has been going to every single every single panel meeting, what he had to say about some of the shenanigans going on in that panel uh, in that panel of inquiry. But I'm going to play for you what the lawyer, that is Enebehe Efiong, what he has to say and his reservations and his issues with how the Lagos State Government is going about this panel of inquiry and what we can infer from, from that. And so my first introduction to Enebehe Efiong is a lawyer and a human rights activist was on Arise TV where he was, he, he talked about what you're going to hear him talk about here as well. And so he's been making a particular request of the Lagos State Government, which is very important in proving the credibility of the panel that has been set up. But I would like you to hear what he has to say. And um, Sandra asks him questions. So I'll, I'll let you listen to what he has to say and then make a quick comment before moving on. Um, explain exactly how a panel like this is meant to work. What's the procedure? What are the powers of this panel? Well, the the Lagos panel is a tribunal of inquiry. It is not a court of law. Hmm. It is not a court of trial. It does not try people. It does not try persons who are subject of investigation. Right. Their responsibility is basically to unravel the truth. Hmm. In Lagos, for example, by the combined effect of Section 5 and 6 of the Tribunal of Inquiry Law of Lagos State, Yeah. That panel has extensive powers to carry out investigation into within the context of their terms of reference. Right. But again, let me reiterate for clarity that I have repeatedly called for the publication of the instrument setting up this panel, but to no avail. By instrument, I mean the official document signed by the governor of Lagos State clearly stating that this panel has been set up in line with the law, stating the membership and, of course, the terms of reference. This is particularly important given the fact that this panel was earlier set up exclusively to investigate SARS abuses. Subsequently, the governor announced that he was expanding their powers and jurisdiction to include what he described as the Lekki Tollgate incident. Hmm. Now, there is no document to that effect. And Section 1 of the Tribunal of Inquiry Law of Lagos State is clear that a panel such as this can only be created, can only be, be better, can only come into existence through an instrument which must be issued by the governor. I have been reliably told that there is no such instrument, at least none has been released to the public. Therefore, I still continue to worry that we are just dwelling on what is increasingly becoming, you know, dramatic scenes at the panel without paying attention or serious attention to the legality of that panel itself. Now, you must also note hmm. that within the Tribunal of Inquiry law, although that law has given broad powers to the panel under Section 5 and 6, however, the government has the authority to limit the scope of that power. The governor has the right to say, although this law has given you power to do this, as far as this particular panel is concerned, I am limiting your capacity to do so. That law empowers the governor to do so, which is why the instrument creation should be published. Particularly when you have the Nigerian army quoted as saying that they will not honor summons or subpoena issued by the panel, except it comes from the state government. Right. Which for me is quite ridiculous, because the state government itself is being investigated as far as the Lekki Tollgate incident is concerned. Let me ask you, before we move forward, is it normal for the instrument setting up a panel not to be made public? 
it is not normal. It is very abnormal. Now, we, are, we are making this point. I have officially written to the governor. Mm. I have not received any res- any response. If so the instrument, that, if the instrument is not made public, what avenues does the public have to obtain it? Well, the avenue is to invoke the Freedom of Information Act, which I have done okay. as a responsible citizen, okay. without getting a response. Okay. So we can only speculate that it exists. But even if it exists, to clear doubts as to the particular powers of this panel, right. we should see it, especially as it relates to the Lake Tollgate incident, as he put it. Yeah. Let us see that you have officially authorized this panel to investigate that incident. Right. Now, especially with the drama that, that, that we witnessed today. Okay. Now, let, LCC is saying that they don't have recordings at all. Let's move on to that drama. F. Young, the. Now, as you can hear, he has some good points and good reasons to have reservations about this panel already. And he has made a request. Now, that was an earlier uh, podcast, an earlier interview. Now, this is the follow-up. We are, he has gotten a response from the Lagos State Government. And here is how that interview with um, Sandra Ezequiel goes. Is the government taking the Lagos State Judicial Panel seriously? I'm asking this because one of the members of the panel had her accounts frozen for being an NSAS protester. And so the youth reps wanted to boycott it. And that's part of what we're going to be talking about in this hour. Today's big hard fact is that, is that the Lagos State Judicial Panel of Inquiry is on recess until November 14th. So while the panel is taking a breather, let's talk about the last few things that happened there. Do you think uh, the panel will help Lagosians get justice? Inibihe, I'll start with you. You filed a request with the Lagos State Government under the Freedom of Information Act to see the order setting up. The state panel, uh, the state judicial panel of inquiry. Has there been a response? Any behalf? Yes, there has been. I received a formal correspondence from the government. Hmm. They wrote to say they cannot comply with or they cannot grant this because, according to them, the Freedom of Information Act is not one of the laws of Lagos State and is not applicable to Lagos State. I find that excuse very strange, very curious, uh, because the FOI Act is a federal legislation. And by the doctrine of governing the field, the federal laws are being on states. So I do not understand the basis for this argument, except that they cited the decision of the Court of Appeals to say that Lagos State is not bound, or that states are not bound with, to comply with the FOI. But I'm aware there is also a different decision by the same Court of Appeals to the fact that it is binding on them. What is important, however, is that if the government is really serious about the investigation, the question should not be whether the FOI is applicable to Lagos State or not. The question should be, what can we do to enhance public confidence in the panel of inquiry? What can we do to demonstrate good faith, to demonstrate commitment and seriousness on our part? With what the Lagos State government has done, it further raises questions on the integrity of this process. Because if you are saying that you will not make public or you will not release the instrument by which this panel was set up, it is an indirect way of telling me that it does not exist. Because if it exists, you shouldn't wait to be prompted. You shouldn't wait for a lawyer to apply or for somebody to apply before you make that instrument public. So since the governor has officially said he's not going to release the instrument, at least to me, hmm. my assumption is that there is no instrument. Now we that have means now, that now, in now. the eyes of the law, mm-hmm. no panel of inquiry has been set up. Does the language of the FOIA state that it is applicable to state governments? And secondly, if so, does the constitution put the issue FOIA addresses on the exclusive or concurrent list? As a matter of hmm. archives and public records is under the exclusive list. So the, the federal government, the National Assembly, was perfectly in order in enacting the FOI Act. I see. That was the division in Martinson Law, with the Speaker of Honduras Assembly and another. I see. Which was decided on the 27th day of March, uh, 2018. Hmm. I'm also aware of the division in Edusaka, with the Zodukwe or something, decided the same year by a different Court of Appeal division by the Edo State Division, whereas the Martin Alors case was decided by the 
on those state division of the Court of Appeal. But like mm-hmm. I did say, the right. issue is not the conflicting decision. Mm-hmm. The issue is the commitment of the Lagos state government to accountability and transparency. I do not, it is even absurd for someone to have to apply for the instrument. You are, it's, it ought to be published from the first day the governor announced that he was setting up a panel, a judicial commission of inquiry. Mm-hmm. He should have published the instrument. Having not published the instrument, my inference is that it does not exist. So why is it so difficult for the instrument to be published? Hmm. Or are they just wasting public funds? Are they just buying and wasting our time? Because if no instrument has been made in line with the law as required under the Tribunal of Inquiry Law of Lagos State Section 1, mm-hmm. the implication is that there is technically no commission of inquiry, except that instrument exists and they just choose to hide it. But this is why it should not be hidden. This is a panel that is supposed to also investigate what the governor described as the Lekki Tollgate incident of 20 October 2020. Recall that earlier, the panel was specifically set up to investigate such abuses. That's right. And you now subsequently said you have extended your jurisdiction. Mm. There has to be an instrument to that effect. Otherwise, the proceedings of the, of the panel will be plagued by legality questions. And if they subsequently indict someone, the person simply needs to go to court to have the recommendations that the proceedings declare a nullity. So this is such a fundamental issue. I see. So there you have it. I'll leave you to make a conclusion about what you just heard. But I think we can we can be pretty <laughs> certain that I think a lot of us who are honest with ourselves and sensible enough to confront reality already know the truth. And this old drama going on in Lagos is I'm afraid it might actually end up being um as Enebe has suggested, a plot to waste time. It seems to me like the United Elite are trying to buy time with this, with this panel drama. We, we, we already have reservations and now they're giving us reasons to doubt. But moving on from what you heard, a lot of you might have realized what is going on with the government going after a lot of the people who supported the protesters financially at one capacity or the other, or people who are even part of the protest. Now they are going after their bank accounts, arresting a couple of them in quite in an almost uh, basically everything the government has been doing to clamp down on peaceful protesters has been illegal all through in fact everything this government has been doing since NSAS started has been illegal and roguish to say it as, as, as it is what our government has been doing has been illegal, unconstitutional, and actually they've been proving themselves to be quite uh, dictatorial and it's scary. It's worrisome in a way. I have an expectation that we have been pretending, at least in a manner of speaking, that we are practicing a democracy, right? And one would expect that at least we keep on pretending everything we do should match up with that claim. But here we have it when the government is really exposing to us, showing to us quite boldly that they do not care about democracy, they do not care about the rule of law. They would rather go after peaceful protesters and their enablers than after terrorists. I've seen today before recording this, uh, I'm, reco- I'm recording this on 13th of November. That's the, this is Friday. And earlier today, uh, Dele Farutimi was on Arise TV. Uh, I'm going to get a recording of that, but I've been watching clips of his interview where he suggests that the Lagos state government is doing this, is allowing this clampdown on members of the panel, the, the youth who are members of this panel of inquiry in Lagos because they know, because these, these young guys are beginning to protest by, um, they are boycotting the panel, which is going to affect the it's either going to affect the uh, the proceedings of this panel or it's going to result in the fact that whatever it is, they, they might continue with the panel drama and then they're going to leave the young people out of the panel. But according to Dele Rotimi, as far as he's concerned, this is intentional. This is an intentional plot to kick, to get these young people to kick themselves out. Because when you are freezing the account of members of the panel, what do you expect them to do? And I need to let people who have been supporting the government, maybe not, maybe support is a strong word, but people who have been giving this government the benefit of the doubt all through this old drama that, oh, let's give them time, you know, when the protest was going on, 
some people are actually complaining about the fact that the protest didn't have a leader and now even though they do not have, uh, they do not have a leader they didn't have a leader the government is going after people who were forces behind this protest this peaceful protest and now they are freezing back accounts getting people arrested for a movement a protest that does not have a leader and we were supposed to trust this government and have you noticed this sad fact that the united elites in nigeria have been putting more energy more time into going after peaceful protesters than they are in going after terrorists and thugs the real thugs the real thugs that they unleashed on the protesters going by the pictures we saw the videos we saw with the police working together with thugs to attack protesters i think it's a vindication for some of us who have already you know if you remember in, in a previous in previous episode i said it there i said in a particular episode that there is nothing to dialogue about the young people have made their demands known and it was left to the government if they are really serious to attend to them but it's a good thing that all this is happening in my opinion it's a good thing that it's happening because now it's showing it's it's making it clear that as i said there are only two citizens in this country the united elite and their enablers and the masses the common nigerians the average nigerians the people who are on the receiving end of what the united elites are doing and their enablers and now the battle the battle line is becoming clearer and clearer it's becoming clear and glaring that the battle line is drawn a war is won in nigeria and this is not the time to be on the fence there you know the fence is is crumbling down gradually and i think that is that is that is obvious right now and i should also mention since uh, we're celebrating i think 25 years after the the murder of kensaro wiwa i i am seeing a lot of the videos about the proceeding the the drama not unlike the drama we are seeing with this panel of inquiry being set up by lo lots of states especially the lagos state the kind of this a similar drama that happened before the murder of kensaro wiwa and it just occurs to me that we are going in a cycle in this country and our the democracy we claim to have is not a democracy if the kind of drama that happened during the worst military regime in nigeria is also happening in 2020 that should tell you something moving on i think i need to talk about this idea of nigerian especially the youths trying to anesthetize ourselves from reality um and i want to talk about this because i think recently i came to the realization that the shocking realization actually that even though the young generation is Niger the young generation in nigeria we complain and we in derogatory terms actually we complain about the fact that the older generation was slaves to religion and um, we subscribe to this idea that religion is the opium of a lot of our parents and that is why they couldn't confront power and um, make this country a better place before we got here but i'm beginning to realize that our generation is actually worse in the sense that our opium might not be religion but i think religion to a huge extent is anesthetizing quite a number of us but we also have something even worse than religion that is also uh, adding to our own anesthesia and that is entertainment and it comes in different forms i think i mentioned this in the previous episode that uh it, it's interesting that the protest the entire protest actually started after <laughs> after the end of bb ninja <laughs> big brother nigeria and that's that's interesting uh, and so i need to talk about this the corona pandemic and the lockdown has affected a lot of things it has affected entertainment it has, it has affected especially entertainment and maybe that is the reason for a lot of agitations and amongst my generation and people close to my generation because we are we, i think we had uh we were cut off from our a drug basically <laughs> we we were cut off from our drug and we started waking up to the reality of politics of our time i'm sure sociologists soon are going to study 2020 and uh, come to the same conclusion that i have come to that 
the fact that my generation was cut off from its drug which is entertainment mostly entertainment sports um cinema and a lot of that is the reason why there was so much agitation and protest in 2020 i'm mentioning this because we are beginning to even create a lot of entertainment for ourselves and i'm mentioning this particularly because it's too hilly for nigerians to get over what happened at lekki Gate. it's too hilly and that is it's it's quite disturbing to know that nigerians are beginning to things are beginning to trend online now that has nothing to do with the injustices with the corruption in high places and the the, the impunity of our united elite and the fact that they are shortchanging our destiny there are too many things going wrong in nigeria right now in nigeria right now that we we have no we have no cause to be entertained really i was hoping that nothing but the nothing but the call for justice the call for restructuring the call for obedience to rule of law at every levels of structure in this country is the only thing that should trend till the end of this year i don't think that is too much to ask and i remember sharing a um, sharing on my status a couple of weeks ago i think that the way we are behaving in nigeria the way we are we are beginning to make jokes out of silly things and that silly silly things are beginning silly stories are beginning to trend online points to the fact that one foreigners who really want to help us are not going to take us seriously two nobody in their right senses would want to die for this country it shows that we are not a people worth dying for as simple as that it's just obvious if i have a family member thank god i don't if i have a family member who died in these protests for good governance for for end to police brutality and not it's not up to a month yet and people are beginning to movies that has nothing to do with politics and justice and rule of law is beginning to trend silly stories are beginning to trend online i'm going to be disappointed in this in in nigerians not in this country because talking about nigeria it's my seem abstract at some point so i'm going to be disappointed i am and i am honestly i am becoming disappointed in nigerians i'm beginning to wonder if it's worth it even putting effort into talking about all these issues not to talk of committing one one's life to it but uh, this brings me to a conversation i had with uh, a friend you heard her speak in the last episode she she gave her opinion about the role of the church in in what is going on right now in nigeria and also she spoke on the issue of the social media the the renewed attack on social media by members of the united elite in nigeria uh, i had a chat with her again her name is okbe and uh Okpe and i got into a conversation about a particular movie i'm not going to mention it, mention it that it is beginning to trend on social media right now that people are beginning to talk about and i haven't watched it and so i asked what the movie is about and when i heard what it's about that it has nothing to do with politics so we started talking about this this desperation by nigerians to distract themselves from reality because that's the best way i can describe it when Okpe came to the to the same conclusion as i as high that there is something about Nigerians, especially youths, that is desperate to escape from reality. She she made comments that actually made me laugh that night because I mean I'm not going to cry, but the fact that she came to the realization in this particular way made me laugh because I understand where she's coming from. I'm going to read some of the things she she sent to me. She wrote, "Let someone in top position do something right now; it will trend." So I'm not surprised that she mentioned the movie, that this movie is trending in too big a way. She went on to say, as for entertainment, I discovered this year, and so talking about the distraction that we're talking about, this desperation to distract ourselves as Nigerians, she, she told me, Tuesday, people died at Lekki. Saturday, some people had house party. Not an ordinary house party. They had international cuisines and costly wines. There was music and dancing and they posted it on their whatsapp status just three nights after lekki massacre she also went on to say this and i couldn't have said it better george floyd of i can't breathe trended more than the killings in the north i like to think some forces are controlling us i don't understand the way the world works 
Maybe someday I would. And I, I understand that confusion because when you just study the way we behave in Nigeria, in Africa, you begin to wonder if something is not inherently wrong with us. I mentioned the fact that stories about outbreaks is also beginning to trend. And she said, I'm not surprised. Porn challenge, alliteration challenge, introduce yourself challenge, poetry challenge, all these stuff are going on online in Nigeria right now. <laughs> she ended this way. She wrote, an average Nigerian is traumatized simply by being a Nigerian. Many are on social media to cope, to joke and make fun, to cover their wounds without treating them. If that is the case, and no psychologist, any psychologist can assure Nigerians who are doing this, who are anesthetizing themselves from reality in this way, that it's, it's not, we're going to implode at some point psychologically. And it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be sad to watch. It's going to be a terrible thing to watch. And I'm not looking forward to it. This reminds me of uh, a status I shared on my WhatsApp not long ago. If only Nigerian masses can learn the indispensable value of unity from the minority elites. I've learned something about political unity from Nigerian elites. Political unity does not mean that we agree on everything. In fact, we might disagree much more than we agree. However, the key is for us to recognize and prioritize one common cause, one shared problem, and one common enemy. United elites in Nigeria have come to this realization, but their victims haven't. If only the Nigerian masses can learn the extraordinary value of commitment to serious issues and causes from the minority elites. Like predators, the United elites are focused and calculating. They are diligent and desperately determined. Unfortunately, those whose lives and destinies actually depend on those issues and causes are like praise, numerous, pathetic, petty, easily distracted, easily entertained, easily tamed. Like praise, Nigerian mercies are resilient and quite forgetful. And I do not use resilient there as a positive thing. It's not, it's not positive. Praise in the jungle are resilient as well. And when human beings behave, when a society of humans behave like praise in the jungle, that's not a good thing. Moving on. To disguise their fears, that is the Nigerian masses, they tolerate their abusers. They trust and hope without cause because the alternative is difficult and uncomfortable, and that is to confront power. Like the helpless victims they are, they keep their rage and bitterness only for objects and fellow victims, as we have seen in recent times after what happened at the Lekki Toll Gate. They are cowards who die a thousand times before they are eventually massacred. The story of Nigeria is that of an epic aunt. It's the same old predators and the praise, the hunters and the game. If at this point you really think the United Elites are stupid, it must be because you are hopelessly stupid. The insecurity beast is not gnawing at the United Elites. It's devouring the masses. As the strike isn't affecting their salaries or the education of their children, it's affecting the masses, just to name a few. What seems like lack of direction or misplaced priority is actually calculated misdirection. Compare our United Elites to average Nigerians who tweeted endlessly about a dead American actor while ignoring the genocide in their home backyard, or who have again ignored the injustices of their home political class to follow the election in America. End of quote. I actually do believe that this ridiculous fascination about the American election in Nigeria is another attempt by Nigerians to be entertained. Go online and look at what people are posting about the American election. It's obvious to any sane person following the tweets, the, the trend in Nigeria about the American election, that this is just another means of escape from our own awful reality. And let me add, I can assure you, in the midst of their election now, they've forgotten about everything that is happening in many other parts of the world. In fact, I watched a particular interview. Uh, I don't know who the individuals there are right now. I've even forgotten the station where that came on, where this white man was saying that 
what is happening in Nigeria right now is not a priority. That it's hard to say, but it's not a priority to them. And that tells you these people are focused, but we, acting like praise that we are, we're always looking for the next thing to distract us from our reality. So that we will even take the politics of another country too seriously than the than than the story that is affecting our own reality, our own life, our destiny, our future. And that is sad. That, that is really, really pathetic. President Muhammad Ubari traveled to go and help to go and help them counter terrorism and to go and give them aid. And whereas Nigeria currently, even before he left, has been Southern Kaduna has been burning people dying in Kaduna every day. And then terrorism is also increasing. The, our soldiers are dying because they are not equipped to face the war. And the little mileage our soldiers cover by getting some of these terrorists arrested, we, erode, we reverse them again by releasing them back to the society. Only yesterday, another 600 and something were said to have been, they were given, in fact, they got a they gave them uniform, and we even learned that they are even giving them some money to return to the society. What does this do to you, all this information? Hmm. Nigeria. You see, what you've just done is very wicked. I try my best. I try my best sometimes to... I go through a process that is not unlike anesthetics. Like when you have anesthesia admit, uh, administered. And that is the process where I just deliberately refuse to wrap my brains around some things. Because so many abominations have been normalized in Nigeria that if you manage to remain sane living in Nigeria, mm. you have merely proven that you are a madman to me. Mm -hmm. How a father whose children are dying, starving, who has never once found the grace to acknowledge the slaughter in southern Kaduna or do something about it, who is almost invisible in his own country, somehow finds the strength, the stamina, the vigor to up abroad a plane to go to Mali. He couldn't send anyone. He had to be physically present in Mali. Hmm. And in our backyard, in Kaduna here, people were dying. And when it comes to the Boko Haram graduates, <laughs> you know, I have said without ceasing, that the Nigerian state is criminal in the extreme. It, it starts the problem. It creates the problem, pretends to treat the problem, exacerbates it by its actions and inactions, and further endangers not just the state, but the so-called citizens who are trapped within it. How did Boko Haram begin? Hmm. They were somebody's militia. At least they were tolerated as a militia. Almost every part of Nigeria with one security challenges or the other has its root in state complicity. Today, the Boko Haram's coach has become a source of untold riches for a lot of people. And they are pretending to treat the problem. But they are only lying because they don't want the problem to end. They profit from it. Mm -hmm. I know of nowhere else in the world where terrorists have been successfully reintegrated back into society. Who, who, did, who, did, the, who, who, who did the psychological evaluation? Just recently in Britain, I remember that there was, there was some stabbing and the, 
the terrorist was killed, it was revealed that this same guy had gone through a de-radicalization program. And if the British are saying they had a, a, a de-radicalization program, I believe they even have a functional one. Do we even have one? Who are the people administering this de-radicalization program? And yet, we bring out people from prisons. We treat terrorists with kids' gloves. Already now, there is an unhealthy alliance emerging between the so-called headsmen and the Boko Haram terrorists. And they all know now that even when you are captured, even on the battlefield, the Nigerian army will de-radicalize you. And when they are done de-radicalizing you, they will even... I watched them and I was just stunned. And co up and down the place, everybody wearing white, including socks. Meanwhile, the people in the IDP camp, they are dying needlessly, starving. Kids are not able to go to school. They are treating terrorists like royalties, or perhaps they are. And then the victims are left to fend for themselves. Nigeria is a, it is a state at war with itself. And it will kill itself if it continues like this. Hmm. You know, a, a couple of days before the, the Entas protest kicked off, I watched um, a particular documentary. The man did um, a documentary about the poor state of schools in some parts of the country. I think the name of the television station is um, T 360. I think, I don't know, 360 News or 360 TV. A police officer spoke on Nigeria Info about the, the treatment, the, the, the welfare of the police. I remember I was moved to tears that Sunday morning. When 20th of October came, when 21st came and, uh, what happened in the previous, on the, on the previous night happened and people woke up to the reality of the fact that peaceful protesters had been gunned down while singing the national anthem and waving the national flag by the Nigerian military. For the first time, someone, the, a satirist that Adiola Fayeun is, she cried on the next episode that she recorded, the next episode of Keeping It Real, she cried. Um, I know of someone also on social media who usually is not concerned about all this political stuff. She did a live, she did a video, she recorded a video on her status and cried. And I'm sure a lot of Nigerians have been crying ever since that that fateful event of, at the Lekki toll gate. But I can assure you, if we keep up with this denial of reality that we are doing with this entertainment, this distraction with the entertainment, <laughs> uh, we are going to have a lot of days of tears to come. Um, I'm not being a prophet of doom here. I'm stating the fact as it is. Any student of history is going to tell you, if we are willing to live with the kind of injustices and evil that is going on in Nigeria, and our, our best reaction to it is to look for the next entertainment that is going to trend online, we are sowing a seed of despair, and we're going to reap it very soon. With what is going on with the panel of inquiry, with the what happened at Lekito Gate and the reaction, the response of majority of Nigerians on social media. You know, I'm beginning to wonder what Nigerians are really waiting for. Who Nigeria is really waiting for? Why we hold back? Wow, well, I mean, you know, it, it, it's, it's an important question for, for us to, for us to really, really answer. I'm beginning to wonder if Nigerians are waiting for a miracle or a magic. Waiting for a miracle, it makes sense. But some of the, some of our, when we show our body language sometimes, it, it makes me realize that we, we probably don't have a good enough relationship with God to be waiting for a miracle to happen. So it must be that what we're waiting for is a magic. We are in our fears, sitting back and hoping, hoping hopelessly, hopelessly hoping that something is going to happen when we sit back and fold our hands and allow the evil people allow evil to, to, to run rampant in the, in, in our streets, expecting that angels will drop from heaven to fix our politics. 
to fix our life, to fix, to fix things for us while we sit in the, in the, in the comfort of our homes and allow some other people to die for us in the streets so that, so that we can continue with our, with our pathetic life and then wait for the next movie to trend, for the next story to trend while some other people pay the ultimate price for us. That brings me to, to another conversation I had on social media. We are a friend actually challenged me that perhaps I need to go into politics. <laughs> and um, the response I gave to, to this friend of mine is what I'm going to what I'm going to say here to Nigerians who are sitting in the comfort of their homes, expecting someone else, some other people to make the sacrifice for them, while evil people keep oppressing them. This is what I'm going to tell Nigerians who sit in the comfort of their homes, expecting other people to make to pay the ultimate sacrifice on their behalf. We are all politicians. Whether we like it or not, especially in places like Africa, we are all politicians because we are all affected by policies. The problem we have is that a lot of us are in denial. And the sooner we wake up to, the, to that reality that we are all politicians, we are all stakeholders in politics and policy, the better for us. But if we keep living in this world where we keep denying that basic reality, that basic reality that we are all politicians, we are all stakeholders, the longer we live on in that state of denial, the longer it's going to take for the people who are currently oppressing us to keep on doing what they are doing. It's as simple as that. And that brings me to the issue of the involvement of the International Criminal Court in the in the violent aftermath of the Hensas protest. I'm happy about it, as many Nigerians are, but I need to let us realize that, politically speaking, our salvation is not going to come from abroad. If we sit back in the comfort of our homes and expect that the ICC is going to somehow come in and then fight on our behalf, it's not going to happen. Yeah, they're going to investigate the matter and come to, um, come to the conclusion but they, they, they are not, they're not going to be able to do anything about it. As a matter of fact, I have heard that they've done other investigations pre previously in Nigeria. They've, they've done investigation about issues that borders on uh, human rights abuses. They've come to conclusions about it, and nothing has been done by the Nigerian government about a lot of those results. So for those people who are as happy as I am that at least we're going to know the truth because an international body is investigating what happened at Lekki for people who are still confused about it, you need to know that whatever comes out of the report of the ICC, it's not going to, it's not going to bring justice. It's only going to bring clarity for people who are still confused. Though I don't think anybody should be confused by now, but at least we're going to be able to put the truth out right there and everybody's going to see. But when it comes to demanding for justice, which we should, ICC is not going to do that for us. We will have to do it for ourselves. So whatever we, we, we plan to do, we'll have to overcome that fear that is keeping us back. This love of comfort, this love of safety that is keeping us from confronting the evil and injustices in our own society, we are going to have to overcome it whether we like it or not. Or else, this is going to be, we're going to take ourselves back to the regime of the worst military in this country. And that's going to be sad. So I promised to talk in the previous episode about the bingo complex of the Nigerian police and the military force. Um, I, a, a video was trending, I think, but it was trending yesterday. That was, um, that was on the 12th of November. A soldier attacked this man. I think it was the driver. I mean, the, the attack was so vicious and it was caught on camera. And it has brought me to talk about the bingo complex of the military of the security forces in Nigeria, people who have the power to use force in Nigeria, the way they behave like animals is, is, is worrisome. It's becoming more glaring that a military of the military force in Nigeria and the police, the security force, they are cannon fodders to the United Elites because they, because the United Elites have, uh, I've been treating them like the dogs, like the pigs in Animal Farm were treating the dogs. Um, the way they've trained them specially to become, um, to become cruel towards the powerless people. 
I think the same thing has been done to the security forces in Nigeria. And they become almost, a lot of them have become mindless. And um, their anger, their own anger and rage, which is, which is shared by many of the masses in Nigeria, is quite ironically turned upon the masses. So the military who are part of the masses also turn, they turn on the masses to they divert their, their, their own aggression and frustration also on the masses. And I'm not blaming the military particularly. I think it's, it's a problem with Nigerians generally. I remember as a student on campus watching when the student union got hold of a thief. The treatment, this maximum shishi, uh, many of the Nigerian students will understand that expression. Uh, shishi is like um, a slang for beating, flogging. Uh, so maximum flogging, basically. Uh, this unregulated flogging, where everybody can come and eat the, the, the thief who has been caught with anything. Can bring sticks, stone. It's almost like a public ex execution where the, the offender is not going to be killed, but at the end of the day, the offender is going to be left bruised and bleeding. And I heard once years ago of a particular guy who actually died as a result of this in one of the major universities. And it occurs to me that everyone who is given the authority to use force in Nigeria, especially the masses, whenever the masses in Nigeria is given the, the authority to use force, they abuse it. Just as the United Elite abuse power, we abuse the only thing we are given to use. We don't have economic power, so we don't have the political power. I'm talking about the masses. But the only time when we have the power to use force, we abuse it. Talk about jungle justice. So, I think something is mentally wrong with us. We've been programmed, I think just as Okwes said in the chat we had, our environment has programmed us to behave the way we are behaving. And the the earlier we begin to uh, to reflect on these things and not think, oh, uh, because we are the victims of the United Elites, we are righteous and they are the villains. We are, we are somehow uh, a victimhood has given us the status of a saint. That's not the case in Nigeria. We are all guilty of something in Nigeria. The masses are guilty of abusing force whenever, whenever we have the power to use it. Just as the United Elites are guilty of abusing political and economic power as they have the power to use it, as they have the, the authority to use it. And so we need to begin to reflect. It's not like it's, uh, the United Elite have consciously planned to do what the pigs did in Animal Farm, which is to take away the dogs and raise them to become cruel towards the people they are ruling over. Well, I think it's, it's an economic programming in Nigeria that makes every powerless people, the members of the masses, to become very violent towards one another, often towards one another, whenever we want to release our frustration and anger. We don't do it towards these people who, <laughs> who are the ones who are putting us in this situation. Animal Farm is playing out in Nigeria, but not, in this, not quite in the same way. It's a psychological conditioning in, in, in Nigeria. Whereas in, in Animal Farm, there is, a, there is a conscious effort by the pig to, to turn the dogs against the people. And the dogs, in the case of Nigeria, is the military and the police, unfortunately. The Nigerian elites might be doing the same thing, but I believe humans are not the same as animals. So in, in, in a way, humans have the free will, but we've allowed our situation to... to um, we've allowed ourselves to be subjected to the manipulation and the wiles of this united elite. And we have a right. We still have the will to say no. That's what I believe. So... As I said in the previous episode, I reached out to a couple of people to comment on the um, the two questions I, I, I put out about the role of the church in Nigeria at this crucial point in our history and the renewed attack on social media by members of the United Elites. So one of the people I reached out to got back to me is AY. In one of the old episodes of Bubble of Fantasy, AY, I think the very first episode or the second one, I've forgotten now, AY was the one who sent in the comment about what we should be expecting um, when it comes to the, the threat of COVID-19 and the, the threat of the pandemic in, in Nigeria. 
this is not his first time of contributing so he sent in his response to these two questions and i'd like you to listen to that before i round off this episode does the church have a role to play in calling the government out yes they do because the church had a role to play when it came to electioneering the church always has a role to play with cans interference in politics and all that so they can't tell me that and that's the thing the church they're supposed to be shepherds of the people so if the people are being killed by the police it's necessary that the shepherds will come out and act as accountability partners for both the government and the people because they're like they're like religious leaders the, the same they occupy this they have now and now in nigeria they have the same almost the same powers as maybe traditional rulers and all that so they have so much power imagine i used to tell people like imagine if you could have protests instead of church services let every church in nigeria come out and protest every sunday 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 protests peaceful protests around the streets do you know before and then there's a church in every hundred meters so churches will join together the protests will become large so if that can happen and churches have all kinds of people in them redeemed now probably has the chairman of central bank or one of those major people in all those major churches there are people like that so if the church can start doing that they would influence those people to join them and the only reason why it's seeming like oh the youths are asking for nonsense is because older nigerians are not joining us to ask for accountability from the government so it's seeming like oh our more youth nicolombiri and if the church get involved they would make sure older nigerians get involved and yeah the only reason why our cries have remained legitimate is because of social media that's the only reason that's the only difference between what they're doing to people now and what they did to people like them ken sarawiwa and the likes in those times when social media wasn't out there yet so it's like everybody is a reporter so no matter how much you try to censor the so-called news reporting platforms that they have been that they are being controlled by the government with the mbc you cannot control what the average guy is posting on his twitter and all that so you know that everybody is a broadcaster and whenever there's something legitimate that everybody has to know about social media is where people amplify amplify their voices so it's like social media is like that building where we all come together to meet and talk about and then display to the world what our government is doing to us so it's like that's the only way that they can delegitimize our voices because that is so that's why they're trying to control social media now and make it seem like social media is the problem meanwhile the problem still exists the problem is that they're not even trying to back down they're trying to kill more people they don't care about the repercussions so they're trying to kill more people and get away with it but you know that with social media not only can we organize ourselves to take action we can also take videos and of their actions and post it to the world so no matter how much they try to hide they know that you can't you can definitely not hide from the phones of a hundred plus million mobile phone users and trust me so everybody no matter how bad your phone is you can use so that's why they're trying to curtail social media and the main reason is because they are afraid of the power that we have with social media so that is a why speaking his mind about those two issues I'd like to end on this note very quickly. In previous episodes, I've talked about what I think we can do in this country at this crucial time. And I'm going to say something to that, to that effect. I'm going to try my best to keep pushing that forward in every, in each of the episodes I record as from now on to keep re-emphasizing on the things we can do because it's very important. You can't just raise all these issues and then leave it at that and leave people in despair. There are things we can do. For the people who do not intend to escape from Nigeria, that is to travel out, there are two options as far as I can see. Either to fly or to fight. So it's either flight or fight. Those are the two options open to us in Nigeria at this point. But I put fight in quotes. So I don't mean we should go out and become violent. We need to, we need to be conscious and be sensible about the way we are going to fight. But we, we must fight. We cannot be passive. But what is happening in Nigeria? 
if you do not intend to escape to Canada, I suggest that you explore what we can do together. And I'm going to make two suggestions as I round off this episode. Go and visit these two sites I'm going to be rolling out. The first is www.shineyourhigh.org shineyourhigh.org uh, That is a site where you can get the information about our public office holders. You can get the information, their phone number, even their contacts. And we need to become politically proactive in Nigeria at this point. I've been there myself, gotten some info about a lot of political representatives. And I can assure you I'm going to be sending messages and I'm going to be making phone calls. This is the time to do things we haven't done before in this country. We need to do something new about our whole problem in Nigeria. And so that's the first site that I would like you to visit as responsible citizens of this country it's your right it's your duty you need to become politically proactive the second is www.fixpolitics.org that is uh, an initiative co-organized by um, mrs i don't know her title now obi ezekwesili she's a former presidential candidate in nigeria a phenomenon in nigerian politics so along with some other great minds she came up with this initiative about fixing Nigerian politics and it's something I think you need to look into. So visit the site fixpolitics.org. I'm going to be participating in the initiative myself. I'm very much interested and I'm going to be registering for their program. This is the time for us to become ideologically conscious and politically responsible. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'm going to be sharing links to the materials I used. I'm going to leave the, the website I just shared. And if you want to get in touch with me on WhatsApp, I'm going to leave my WhatsApp contact. Endeavor to check the podcast note of this particular episode. And please do share this podcast with your friends, with people, and like. You can get popular thoughts now on Spotify, Anchor, and Podomatic. So please, wherever it is you get your podcast or listen to your podcast in any of these um, platforms, do endeavor to share and like popular thoughts. Thanks for listening. My name once again is Ayo Bami. And as I always say, be enlightened and educate others.